Hi, welcome to this week's Seacoast Vineyard Podcast, coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We hope this message will touch your life in a meaningful way and that you'll be encouraged in your journey with God. All right, great to be with you. I, I've, uh, I asked Brian, I said, have you ever noticed that Tim tends to miss when there are waves? Uh, just an observation. I, uh, I, I don't know if, uh, if anybody else has seen that. but Well, this, um, <clears throat> this past, this weekend, uh, you may have seen uh, Gladiator was on TV. Yeah, did anybody, anybody see Gladiator? Well, in, in Gladiator, there's this moment at the end of the movie where he is, um, he is asked by the emperor, who are you? And he says, he, he takes his mask off and he says, my name is Maximus Decimus um, Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of Felix uh, Legions, uh, of Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. This guy knows who he is. And um, <clears throat> one of the big questions, I'm teaching a world religions class at HGTC, and one of the big questions that we all have is, who am I? A bigger question, and the more important question, is who is God? And that's what we're going to look at this morning, is who is God. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you to reveal yourself to us this morning through your word to transform our lives, that seeing who you are will respond appropriately and realize who we are not. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a passage in uh, Exodus chapter 3 that, uh, that tells about uh, Moses' encounter with the living God. Moses has uh, spent 40 years on the backside of the desert, and in Exodus chapter 3, uh, he, he has this encounter with God where God reveals himself uh, to Moses, and Moses uh, sees a bush that is burning in Exodus 3, and And in verses 1 through 15, it tells us that story of his encounter with the living God. And so Moses goes goes and he sees this bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. And that gets his attention. And so he goes over to this bush. And when he he gets there and he looks at this bush, and, and it begins to speak to him. And let's look at that passage together. Exodus, um, Ralph, you have that? Exodus chapter 3. Uh, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not consumed." Uh, why is not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people 
who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land of, that is good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Let's stop there just a moment. In verse 12, you notice that God, he says, how do I know it's you? And God says, look, after you obey me, after you do what I tell you to do, you'll worship me on this mountain. That's how God operates. When when you want to know if something's God, once he's spoken to you, after you obey, he'll confirm it, not before. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. There um, is an internet um, um, site called TED's Talks, TED Talks. Um, And TED Talks is basically an intellectual group of think tank kind of group, and they have usually about 20 minutes, uh, the, the talks. And there's, there's one by a Nigerian a lady called uh, The Danger of a Single Story. And her name is Chimamanda Adichie. And she says uh, in this talk, The Danger of the T- Single Story, she grew up in Nigeria. Her parents were professors. And she ended up going to uh, college in the U.S. And when she's at college, her roommate says well, what language do you speak in Nigeria? And she says, English. And the, the roommate's rather shocked. And she said, how about play for me some African music? And so she put on a, a Mariah Carey. And, and so um, the, the girl was rather shocked because she had believed a single story of Africa. The only story of Africa that she had ever seen or heard was on the news and tragedy and, and just the uh, the... the the war and difficulty uh, of conflict, but that's the danger of the single story. The amazing thing about the gospel is it's not a single story. Now, it is a united story. It is a story that that unites, but the four gospels give us four different angles, like the facets of a diamond, so that you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John telling the same story from different angles, which gives us this more fully formed story of the gospel. And though the gospel is singular, we get these four, different from any other religion, where the the four corners of that uh, story are united in a single story. 
Um, when I was um, in graduate school, Joan and I had just married. We had been at Columbia International University, and we transferred to another school. And that other school was uh, less... They approach, there are two basic approaches theologically to the Scripture. Uh, CIU's approach was belief. We approach the Scripture from the standpoint of belief. It is true, and we submit to the text. And the other school at that time had a different approach. Their approach to Scripture was one of doubt and question. And so I went to exempt my way out of Greek, um, and the professor that I had to have an oral exam with, he, uh, we're sitting there talking, and he says, well, what about the conflicts and differences within the Gospels? And I said, well, let's look at that. And so I said, you know, if you saw a car accident on, uh, at an intersection, a four-way intersection, and, and there was a different person at each intersection, at each corner of that intersection, they would tell of the same wreck from different angles. And I said, and that's not what we see in the four Gospels. And so he began to bring up what he saw as objections, and I kind of dismissed those one by one. Um, and was very thankful that I had the opportunity to study under a guy named Larkin, who's one of the top Greek scholars in the, in the world, and, and I'm not. Uh, so I just relied on stories I'd heard, and, and I exempt out, so it was cool. But as we approach Scripture, there's an amazing story of Jesus where he ties this back in to the Exodus story, where God reveals himself as the great I Am. And it's found in John chapter 6 and verse 16. Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 people. And in verse 16 of John chapter 6, it says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea had become rough because of the strong wind was blowing, And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. And coming near the boat, they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, the phrase that's used in verse 20 is Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. That's an unfortunate translation, and unfortunately, every English translation I looked at says something very similar. The NIV, the New American Standard, the ESV, English Standard Version, says, it is I. But in the Greek, this is one of those times where the Greek actually pays off, because when you look in the Greek, it's two words that we translate as three, it is I. The two words are ego, a me, which simply mean I am. And it is very significant. Because what Jesus is claiming is, you know, I've heard sermons, and you may have as well, on this passage that say, regardless of what storm you're in in life, God is there for you. You do not need to be afraid. That's not what the verses, that passage is talking about at all. Jesus is walking on the water, comes up to the boat, and they're terrified. uh, And he says, I am. He's making it extremely clear to them, you remember the story in Exodus 3 where I showed up to Moses as the great I am, Yahweh? I'm that guy. I am God. They had no question of that as Jews. They knew exactly what his claim was. 
And walking on water kind of backed up the claim. <clears throat> the book of John is built around seven I am statements that Jesus makes. Now, it's also built around seven miracles that Jesus performs. The first miracle that he performs is he turns water into wine. Uh, one friend of mine, his mother uh, was against any form of drinking, and he, he uh, was talking to his mom one day, and he said, Mom, Jesus turned water into wine. He drank it. She said, yeah, and I think the less of him for it. Um, <clears throat> but his first miracle was he turned water into wine. The second miracle that he performs, he heals this royal official's son of uh, a high fever. He heals the son. The third miracle is he, there's this paralyzed guy who's been paralyzed for 38 years, and he heals him beside a pool. The fourth miracle that he performs in the book of John is he feeds 5,000 men besides women and children. The estimate of 20,000 would be very conservative. The fifth miracle that he performs is he walks on water. The sixth miracle that Jesus performs, he heals a guy in John chapter 9 who is born blind. And the seventh miracle that Jesus performs is the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, which foreshadowed his own resurrection. So these seven miracles, and John says at the end of his book, I've written these miracles here so that people will believe that Jesus is what? God, the great I am. And then he gives us these seven uh, figures of speech is the phrase that's used twice in the book of John. They're, they're word pictures that he gives. And the first word picture that Jesus gives of himself is I am the bread of life. It's found in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. At the end of the service today, I'm going to encourage you to take of the bread of life. If you've not already received the communion um, at the end of the service today, I'm going to encourage you to take that with a whole new mentality, that as you're taking of the bread of life, you're taking of God, the great I am. And Jesus gives us this image. Now, I'm going to do something this morning with the seven I am statements to help you remember them that has absolutely nothing to do with the text. Uh, they're, they're kind of silly ways of remembering it, but you'll be able to remember all seven I am's by the end of the service today. The first one, if you look at that, that looks like the number one. Okay, because it's the first I am statement. I am the bread of life. The second I am statement that Jesus makes is I am the light of the world. And in fact, in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if you've got a lamp or a light bulb, how many switches does the light have? It has, a, well, one switch, but how many, how many positions? On and off. It's got two, because it's the second I am statement. I am the light of the world. The first one's what? Bread of life. Second one, light of the world. And the third that he gives us is he says, I am the door. In John chapter 10 and verse 7, Jesus says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, this one, I want to pause a moment because it, it really um, is important to understand this. <clears throat> At the end of the day, the shepherd would corral the sheep into a stone pen that he had created, a walled-off pen, but, and the sheep would come through, and he would count the sheep. 
um, and there was a small opening at the, uh, where the sheep would come through, and the door to that pen was the shepherd himself. The shepherd would actually lay down in front of that entrance so that nothing could come in to harm the sheep. He was the door. And Jesus uses that imagery, and he says, I am the door. And as you know, most doors have how many hinges? Three, because the third I am statement is I am the door. So the first one, bread of life. Second one, light of the world. Third one, I am the door. The, uh, one other point on that. Uh, he goes on in that passage, as he, as he goes to the fourth, he talks about being the good shepherd and, and that his sheep will hear his voice. Um, Ray Vanderlane, I believe it was, is a, a Bible teacher that I heard years ago, and he told about being in Israel, and there was this valley that separated with, a, with this uh, rock formation, and there were two shepherds walking along, and hundreds of sheep were behind each. And the two shepherds split at the rock to go different ways, to go to their homes. And as they split at this formation, uh, each shepherd starts making a clicking noise, and the sheep separate and go with their shepherd because the shepherd, the sheep know their shepherd's voice. And uh, just he said it was just this amazing thing where the scripture came alive of the example Jesus was get, giving of a, a shepherd, the sheep know his voice. The fourth is Jesus says, I am that shepherd. I am the great shepherd. And as you look at this, um, in, in John chapter uh, 10, verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they and my own know me. Now, this one's a bit of a stretch, but it'll help you remember it. You know that sheep have how many legs? Four. So Jesus is the great shepherd. And so let's back up. Number one, I am the bread of life. Number two, light of the world. Light has two switches. Number three, yeah, I am the door. Number four, the shepherd. I actually taught these to my kids. I was, um, about three years ago, I was teaching uh, Karis this, and I gave her the seven um, I am statements on the way to a tennis lesson. And uh, I said, now I'll tell you the seven miracles uh, later, but I helped her remember the seven I am. So she gets in the car, to my surprise, like two hours later, and she says, okay, what are the seven miracles? And I said, oh, no, no, that doesn't work that way. You got to tell me the seven I am's first. And she was able to recite them, and I thought, okay, we're on to something here. So the four, four uh, if a 10-year-old can do it, I promise you, you can do this. So the, uh, the, the four, um, I am the great shepherd, because sheep have four legs. Um, my Greek professor, professor would kill me if he knew I was doing this. Uh, so I am the, great, I am the uh, great shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus says. The fifth I am statement that he makes, the fifth one, is that he is the resurrection and the life. He actually raises this guy from the dead who's been in the tomb for four days. Now, it was commonly believed in that region, in that area, that after three days, the soul departs. And so there's no hope for life after that. So Jesus waits an extra day to just show, look, this isn't anything natural. I am God. And he shows up and he raises this guy from the dead. And we see this um, in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now, Raphael painted this 
uh, painted a, a picture of this. And if you'll look here, there's Lazarus, uh, Lazarus getting ready to come up out of the grave. And I don't know how Raphael knew hundreds of years later that I would be preaching this, but evidently he did. He painted this picture for us. And notice Jesus has his hand up, getting ready to give Lazarus a high five. And, and, and so, uh, and there, there's, there's five fingers there. So we know the fifth, Bruce is just shaking his head. He's writing, he's sending a text to Tim right now. Don't let Doug preach again. The, uh, uh, so the fifth, the fifth I am is I am the resurrection and the life. Let's review. First one, bread of life. Second one, third, fourth. Yeah, because sheep have four legs. Fifth, resurrection and the life. High five. Okay. <clears throat> The, um, the sixth statement that he makes is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is found in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mentioned that I'm teaching a world religions class. You can be praying for me because what I do in that class is I'll bring in, uh, we're actually going to tour a synagogue this week, and we'll, we'll have a, a Muslim friend of mine that comes in and teaches. I have someone come in and present Native American worship and share about how that's practiced. And uh, I, I bring in various teachers who come in and share from their own perspective. And then toward the very end of the class, we, I, I save Christianity for last. And, and I bring in some solid evangelical Bible-believing folks who present for the Christianity, the gospel. So be praying for the, that, that process uh, that the students can come to know Christ. That's the goal. That's the goal. And, and so Jesus doesn't say, I am a way among many. I am a truth or truth-ish in a, in a world of relativism. We believe in truthisms. We don't believe in absolute truth. Uh, Eastern thought, they're looking for a path or a way. Jesus says, I'm that. Um, I'm the truth. Pilate said, what is truth? And Jesus says, truth is a person, and I'm that person. Uh, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no life apart from me. Are you living for time or eternity? Jesus says, if you want eternal life, I'm the way. I'm God. That's what he's claiming. And, and so we see this, and this one is really a stretch, but if you look at this image, if you have two of these, if you have two of these, they're called what? Dice. If you have one of these, they're called a die, and we will all die. And every one of us, time waits for no one. And Jesus, in the antithesis of this, says, and there's six, see, right there, there's six uh, dots on the dice, on the die. And uh, he says, I'm the life. He's the opposite of death. He is life. So let's review again. First one, I am the bread of life. Second one, light, because we know a light has two switches. Third, door, door has three hinges. Fourth, great shepherd, sheep have four legs. Fifth, resurrection and the life, high five. And number six, opposite of death is life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The seventh image that Jesus gives us of himself is he says, I am the true vine. This is found in John chapter 15 and verse 1. And in John 15, 1, 
says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine. Here, we know that nutritionally we need to eat fruit seven days a week. And uh, so here for number seven, we have the true vine. You've got you to gotta have some fruit every day. So number seven is the true vine. So let's, let's review one more time. Number one, I'm the bread. Number one, I am the bread of life. Number two, I am the light of the world. Number three, I am the door. Number four, I'm the great shepherd, a good shepherd. Number five, I'm the resurrection and the life. Number six... I am the way, the truth, and the life. And number seven, I am the true vine. Jesus revealed himself as the great I am. And it says when he did this, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they went berserk. And they said, we got to kill this guy. Because he's not only healing on the Sabbath. And the amazing thing is I read back through the Gospel of John this week. The amazing thing is I read through the book of John was that he contrasts Jesus with Moses throughout. In fact, if you look at the life of Moses and you look at, at the, uh, this encounter with Moses, which is what Jesus begins with the I am, comparing himself to Moses and to the law, he then goes through one by one. He says, you know, Moses experienced me as manna from heaven. I am the bread of life. And then in the tabernacle itself, there was the showbread, the table of showbread that was to be placed there daily. And Jesus says, that pointed to me. I'm the bread of life. Number two, he said, I'm the light of the world. And inside the tabernacle, there's, a, there's this, this um, menorah of the, uh, the, the light that is to burn continually. And Jesus said, that pointed to me. I'm the light of the world. And the door at the entrance to the tabernacle, God's glory. In Scripture, it's called the Shekinah glory, the weight of God's presence. And there was a cloud that would form at the entrance of the temple of the tabernacle with Moses. And Jesus said, that pointed to me. I am uh, the door. I'm the entrance in. You can't get through apart from me. The fourth image that's used of I'm the great shepherd, he chose Moses as a shepherd, saying his whole life pointed forward to me, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. The, the fifth image that he gives us of the resurrection and the life all of the story of the Exodus, the entire book of Exodus, as N.T. Wright points out, is the capture, the slavery, the bondage, the death of Israel, and their resurrection as they're taken out. And Jesus says, that's me. I'm the resurrection. And, and the sixth image that he gives of I am the way, the truth, and the life, uh, he points back to, to uh, the, the whole journey of, of the wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, and he says... That's me. I'm the path. I'm the way. I'm the, I am the way to life. And the sixth image, that he, I mean, seventh image that he gives of I'm the true vine. As soon as they enter the promised land, every Jew in their home was to do two things in terms of agriculture. They were to plant a fig tree and a vine, showing that there was life and there was hope and there was sustenance in God. And Jesus said, that pointed to, to me. And so the Jews at the time became so angry with Jesus because they knew he wasn't simply healing on the Sabbath, which upset them. They were t just enraged. He claims to be God. He's claiming that he is God. And it got him crucified. Now, there's a couple of interesting statements that happen toward the end of the book. One is he's before Pilate. Well, before Pilate, um, before that, 
Judas brings a, a, a group of, of guards to, uh, to capture Jesus in the garden. And in the garden, this mob comes toward Jesus, and he asks the mob, he says, who are you looking for? Who, who do you seek? And they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, guess what phrase he uses? Ego me." He says, I am. And immediately, that entire mob of soldiers, of mercenaries, they're literally blown <laughs> to the ground. I mean, it's like a sonic boom. Boom. Read it. It's at the end of, uh, of, of John. John chapter 20, 21, somewhere in that region. And they're literally blown to the ground by his confession. They say, who are you seeking? And he says, Jesus, they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, go in me. I am. Boom. They fall down. And then I think it's comical. Probably wasn't if we could have a video of the actual scene. But Jesus asked them again, who do you seek? And I, I, I can kind of hear him the second time say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says it again. I am. He's making it very clear, you're not arresting me. I'm giving myself up. Then he faces Pilate. And Pilate makes an interesting statement. Pilate um, comes back to Jesus and he says, uh, he asks him, he says, who are you? And Jesus doesn't say a word. And he said, you won't answer me? You're not going to answer me? Do you not realize I'm Pilate? I have authority to let you go? Or to have you crucified. And Jesus says, you have no authority except what has been given to you by God. Again, he's making it very clear. Pilate, there is someone in charge in this room and it's not you. Jesus is the great I am. He is God. The book of John makes it clear in chapter 15, 16, and 17 that the Holy Spirit is also God. And that the three become one. They are one. They don't become one. They are one. And he makes it very clear in the language that he uses. He's not a presence. He's not a power. He's not, uh, he is a he. He's the comforter. He's the teacher. And he reveals himself. He is our guide. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you an exact replica of myself in the Holy Spirit that will come into your life when you recognize me as the I am. In fact, he says in one place, he says, if you do not recognize me as I am, you will die in your sin and be eternally separated from me. Recognizing Jesus, he's not just a great moral teacher. He's God. C.S. Lewis put it well. C.S. Lewis said, we only have three options when it comes to Jesus Christ. The first is he's either a liar, he, he, he is claiming something that's not true of himself. He's claiming I am and he's not. Or he's a lunatic. He thinks he's God. You know, if you go to any mental institution, there'll be, you'll find people who believe they're God. They're not. Uh, they're, they're crazy. And, and so, uh, you know, he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's who he claims to be. He is Lord. I'm banking on the third option. He's who he claims to be. <clears throat> there is a interesting layout in the book of John as well, and we'll close with this, uh, this uh, example. There are three people who say, I am not, in the book of John. We'll start with the last one. It's Peter, and who is, who is uh, 
Um, actually, it's, it's, it's Pilate. Pilate says in that exchange with Jesus when he asked what is truth, and he, he, he makes this claim of, uh, I have authority to let you go or to have you crucified. He's, he makes a statement. He says, uh, am I a Jew? And in the Greek, it's actually in, in the negative where, to tr- translate in English, he's basically saying uh, it's the negative of I am. He's saying, I am not. <laughs> no, truer words couldn't have been spoken. Because it's the con- and John words it perfectly. I am not is facing the I am. And then the, the other time we see that is with Peter, who denies the Lord three times. And they asked Peter directly. They said, Peter, aren't you a disciple of his? And he says, I am not. The third, though, is at the beginning of the book of John. And it's the one that really is a model for us. And it's John the Baptist, when his ministry begins to expand and people are coming to him and they think he's a great, great leader and they ask John, they say, are you the Christ? Are you the one that is to come? And John humbly says, I am not. But he's basically saying this, I am not, but I know the great I am. And then he points people to Jesus. <clears throat> you'll have one of those responses in your own life. You'll either say, no, I don't want anything to do with him, or you'll compromise your faith and not be true to Christ and stand up with him and for him. Or you'll have a humble place like John the Baptist did, and you'll say, you know, I know I am not but I know the great I am. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and were perhaps even challenged in some way to continue pursuing a closer relationship with God through Jesus. Here at Seacoast Vineyard Church, our vision is to worship God with passion, to reach out in Jesus' name with compassion, and to mature as a people of power and purpose. For more information, including our location and gathering times, visit www.seacoastvineyard.com.